Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. So the first verse that, uh, that stuck out to me that I want to highlight is actually two verses in Matthew 20, 15 and 16. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Are you envious <laughs> because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Remember, this is in context to the kingdom of God. Right? We'll talk about that a little more, but in context to those that come to know God, maybe in the last hour versus all of us that have been serving the Lord our whole life. But we're no less blessed no matter when we come in. We all get to reap the same reward, and thank God we don't get the punishment of sin, which is death. So my first point is the right to be generous. That's your point. Write it down. The right to be generous. Envious because someone else is generous. Oh, not me, Lord. I've never been there. It's never happened to me. Well, it's easy to interpret our right to receive what we feel is owed to us, but what about God's right to give? We, we thank God that we don't, again, get what we really deserve, right? Romans six twenty three for the wages of sin is death. But the gift... If your Bibles are open, you should go to Romans 6.23 and highlight it. But say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wages of sin is death. The gift is what? Eternal life. Through who? Jesus. All right. A kingdom mindset, or we like to call it here at College Street, because I just coined the term, and Pastor Morris would make fun of me. He's like, I looked everywhere in the dictionary. I'm like, I made it up. But I think it's cool, is kingdomology. Kingdomology. Setting our minds on things above and not below. A mindset of the kingdom. Colossians 3, 2. Kingdomology. We don't envy or criticize those that come into a relationship with Jesus later in their life. No, we celebrate them. Yeah. Right? And you notice that in this church. It, it, we thrive because of it. If we don't see new people coming in and coming to know the Lord, we start questioning our methods. Maybe it's not our message, but maybe it's our methods. If we were to go into all the world, but we see new people every Sunday, born again, coming to know Jesus every single Sunday. Six hundred and what? Two? Five? Six hundred and one salvations that we know of since February of 2020. Isn't that amazing? And 155 baptisms. So that could go up. <laughs> so I'm praying for it. But, you know, we just got to be faithful with God, what God has given us. And that is, you know what, the that's also a big part of the discipleship part. Just so you know, you get a lot of pastors and a lot of churches ask, like, oh, man, how do you evangelize? How do you get new people to come to your church? You know, how do you, how do you get them saved? That's the easy part. It is. And if you've been doing it long enough, you know what the hard part is? Discipleship. And the first step in discipleship is baptism, getting them in the water. That's a huge step for people to get them in the water. Yes, it's a huge step to give your heart to the Lord and, and get saved and turn from your way of it and you say, hey, I'm going to do it now. Like, hey, let's walk it out together for the rest of our lives, right? And have and to, to father them and through the mess so that they could grow spiritually. But no, we celebrate them. And if we can understand the eternal concept, why can't we understand the earthly concept of celebrating others instead of getting caught in the trap of comparison? Okay, this concept 
on earth as it is in heaven works in the workplace. It was designed for the workplace. It's designed for the home. It's designed for the workplace. It's designed everywhere you go. Not to to let it leave your lips, but to meditate on it day and night. And may the word always be on your lips, putting it into practice, exercising it wherever you go, sharing it with others. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a Sunday thing. It's a lifestyle thing. So sometimes we try to separate, you know, the church from work. From, you know, the conversation I had with the gentleman in the hot tub was the thing that he disliked about Christians, not about Christ, but was about Christians is he had a few friends, but they were great on Sunday in their religion, but the rest of the week they were somebody else. I said, not in this house. I said, you got you to gotta come check out College Street. You got to come check out the men that continue to learn and grow and do life together. Are we perfect? No. But we are made perfect through Christ every day, right? But he works even in our weakness his strength is made perfect. So we got to understand some of these concepts and how the greatest challenge for us is going to be in the workplace, to apply them at work. This is easier in the house. It's a lot easier in the house. We come in and we can all say, praise Jesus. Do you say, praise Jesus when you're out in the workplace? Do you lift your hands for him when you're out in the workplace? Yes, you do, right? So, um, but we got to be careful not to get in the same trap as the workers got in, because we're all the workers of the harvest. You know, we're told to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. We prayed for all of you. We know that you are workers, and you were designed to be here on purpose for a purpose. So let's not get caught in the trap. Really, we shouldn't be seeking what is owed to us, but what is bestowed upon us. And I hope you don't mind. I hope you know my heart. I'm putting little quotes in there just among you guys because it's personal. I don't put them online. I'm not big in building myself up. You might have noticed that. I'm big on building him up, but I'm having an opportunity more and more for legacy, and, and we had a moment where I was like, man, I might not have lived to be to the next day, and I'm like, what do I want to be known for as a follower of him? And if I'm going to quote anything, it better be directed to him. So I hope you don't mind me putting that in my notes, but that's something the Holy Spirit gave me today, and I'll just give credit where credit's due. So really, we shouldn't be seeking what is owned to us, but what is bestowed to us. 1 John 3, verse 1 of the New King James Version. Pastor Morris would be so proud of me today, but he is traveling. So hopefully he's listening to this on the road somewhere. Behold, what matter of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called what? Children of God! Exclamation mark. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. There's a lot of people that know of Jesus, but they don't really know him. They don't have a personal relationship with him. Until you have a personal relationship, you will never have the revelation. It's good. Taking notes? Good. So is there a higher promotion than to be called children of God? No. There is not. There's no higher promotion to be called. You've already been given the highest promotion there is to be given. Children of the Most High King. Wow. Come on. So with that reward comes... Thank you, Coach Delton. Responsibilities. You wanted your promotion, you already got it. You've been given it. That means that we need to represent the Father and His Son. If He is generous, we are to be generous in every aspect of our lifestyle. Freely you have received, freely you give. Matthew 10, 8. The rest of the verse in context of Jesus sending out his 12 disciples was to go out among the lost. The lost. 
The first time he sends them out was actually to go out amongst the lost brethren, the lost Jews. He says, go to the lost, proclaiming the message. Here it is. The kingdom of heaven has come near. It's come. Not is coming, it has come. Boom. There's a revelation for you. Wow, I'm just waiting for the Lord to come. He came and he left us the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is now. It has come. Open your eyes. Verse 8. Context, right? Verse 8. All right, want some responsibilities? Here it comes. You ready? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. In the Greek, the word leprosy was used for every disease affecting the skin. Drive out demons. Whoa! You just got promoted. You said you wanted to raise. There you go. Now there's your responsibilities. Come on, raise the dead. Drive out demons. Heal the sick. That's your responsibility, man. You got a higher calling than what the enemy thinks or has you thinking that you have in the workplace. I'm just here to put in my time and move on. No, you're not. No, you are not. Somebody's going to get hurt in the workplace. Somebody is already hurting, maybe not physically, but emotionally. And this whole series we're about to do, Are You Satisfied, is a setup for you to tell them to come into the, to the house of the Lord. So you know what, really? You should come check out my church. We're actually this Sunday, and it's not too late to text somebody, because if they can't make 1030, they can make 7 o'clock. We're going to talk about, are you satisfied in the workplace? Are you satisfied with your career, with your job? Right? So that is a setup. That's a setup. Again, with great reward comes great responsibility. Acts 20, 35, New King James Version. You guys proud of me? Wow. I have shown you in every way, in every way, by laboring like this, that you must support what? The weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What? Your promotion is my promotion. Your raise is my raise. Your win is my win. Right? But man, if I can be not just on the celebrating side, but what about the giving side? And what do I have to give that is worth more than all the riches of this world? But that is Jesus. Jesus. Yes, God will use the riches too, just so you know. He's going to use all the wealth, right? Because God's given supply is so that you can support. It says it right in the scripture. Our wealth is to support the weak. Put that, fill that in your blank. Our wealth, say my wealth, is to support the weak. James, I noticed you don't have a clipboard. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's given to everybody else but himself, eh? Here's a pen. I equip you for the work of the ministry. There you go, brother. I know you're called to teach, so I'm hoping you will teach this to another level. So our wealth is to support the weak. Community Cupboard, Joshua House, Ruth and Naomi's. Those that the Lord sends to this church, and yes, those in our workplace. Definitely in our workplace. That is your biggest harvest, and God has sent you. God has sent you, the worker for the harvest. Is, is, is this sitting in here? Okay, good. So let's look at uh, verses 26 and 28 of Matthew 20. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, oh, this is, yeah. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Anybody cringe at that? Just hold on. 
No? Everyone's good with that? Yeah, I like servants. Okay, good. All right. I did. Verse 27, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Ready to go a little deeper? Okay. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you speak with conviction and not condemnation. And that you filter my, even the, my lips and anything that comes out of my mouth that is of you. If it's not you, it will drop dead in Jesus' name. Number two, receive the might to become great. Receive the might to become great. You got the right? Now it's time for the might. You got the right to be generous? Now it's time for the might to become great. It takes great humility, <laughs> come on, and great strength to serve others and offer your body as a living sacrifice. Oh, that takes strength. It takes real thick skin and a big heart. And the longer you go on in discipleship, the thicker that skin's going to be and the bigger the heart's going to get. Words of wisdom from Pastor Morris gave me in the beginning of the ministry when I stepped in full time. Never left me. Like when I, oh, when stuff comes, thank God I don't have just thick skin, but I've got an armor of God, a breastplate of righteousness, a belt of truth, right? That I can walk in the shoes of the gospel of peace and have a shield of faith and yield that sword of the spirit. <laughs> and that my war is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. That I know my enemy. I know my enemy. So it takes great humility and great strength. And again, this we know is our true and proper worship according to Romans 12.1. All these worshipers in the house, you want to know what pure and proper worship is? That is to be a living sacrifice. Romans 12 verse 1. Look it up. Highlight it if it's not in your Bible. In the kingdom, strength was always meant for service, not status. It's meant for service. Strength is meant for service, not status. This is a huge leadership teaching, just so you know. This is, I'm going to take this throughout the week, and I hope you do. I take, if you're a leader in the workplace or you have any kind of influence, which means you're a leader, I hope you share, even if it's one nugget, one thing like, bro, strength was meant for service. How can I serve you? Strength was meant for service, not status. Right? Too many times we, we fight to be known and we want to receive recognition instead of giving it. Right? But I could tell a great leader. A great leader, a great influencer is one that brags about his kids. Seriously. Sure, starting with the kids in his home, but how about the kids that he, that he leads spiritually as a father? Man, Pastor Rudy's doing a great job. Man, Darcy's doing, Coach Darcy's doing a great job on the drums. Like, you better be celebrating people on your team. Man, our camera men do a great job, do they not? Celebrate them, celebrate them, celebrate them. Give recognition. And you know what? We all want to be honored, but instead we, are, we become humbled. <laughs> right? It's just God's way. It's God's way. You know, I heard a great teaching this week. You know, God never did it the easy way, nor does he want to do it the easy way with you. You know, the only reason a bouncy ball bounces back is when it hits a hard surface. Jesus never did it the easy way. The cross wasn't easy. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Being born in a barn was not easy. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, he, I just shared the story in Exodus 14 about the Israelites. The easy way probably would have been to go around the water. No, 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 no. He wanted to go through the water. He chose the hard way. So don't let that enemy get in your head when you start to struggle with, oh, it's hard to honor people. Of course it is. It's not supposed to be easy. That's why, what does he say? If you're just nice to the people that are nice to you, even, even the Gentiles, even the unbelievers do that. How about being nice and loving your enemy? 
and lifting up other people. How about when everybody else is looking for what isn't working in them, you find the one thing that is working and give God the praise, even if it's the very fact that they are the children of the Most High King. You can find something, right? And then we can stand out and be a light and not put it underneath a basket like everybody else. But you know what? That's everybody else. How about you? Your response is always your responsibility. Always, always, always. It doesn't depend on your mood. It's your mission, not your mood. Ho! It's your mission, not your mood. It's your mission, not... Say, it's my mission, not my mood. That should be our response next time those negative feelings come up and we want to say something negative or we feel negative or we want to have self-pity. Say, it's my mission, not my mood. This is my mission, not my mood. And I struggled with the wording of the scripture which we just read. And if you search, I've done this lots, just so you know. All my teachings up to this teaching, I've always searched for the scripture that says, and there's only one out of all the translations that says, if you want to be a great leader, you need to be a servant unto all. That's still in context, but specifically here. Why? Because I avoid the cringe. A lot of times I avoid the cringe. I just want to get to the point where we're all called to serve, guys. But I don't want you men to miss the message that you have today because you are strong enough to handle what I'm about to give you because some of you, it might be your method and you're missing the message. Because you are called to leave. There are spiritual fathers all in this house. And guess what? My children serve me. I don't serve my children. Yes, I serve them by providing for them and this and that. But I don't, go to, I don't go to my kids and ask them every day, what do they need? Well, what would, what would you like to go? No, I lead them. They serve me. And in doing so, they're going to learn to so somebody else, hopefully, will serve them, and they'll have disciples. And they'll always point them to Jesus. And they will live a servant life. Are you with me? But there's a miss. There's, the enemy's trying to do something. And I've, this is just my reflection. I could totally be wrong. This is just my perspective. But anybody under the age of 50, there's this, this mentality that I say we have because I'm 40. There's a mentality that we have that it's owed to us. And even though you're my superior, I'm at the same level as you. And you need to be doing it for me. Are you with me? I'm speaking from experience. I'm not exempt. Because the more I go through and the more I read the scripture, the more I get the revelation, like, wait a minute. Because if I can't honor him, right, no one's going to honor me. If I can't speak highly of him and follow him and those that are in authority over me, even when I don't agree, what is everybody else that's following me going to do? They're going to catch the wrong culture, and that's not the kingdom culture. Are you with me? I thank God for the older men in this house and the wisdom in this house as well. We always will honor age. That, that's something that goes without. But sometimes there's even those that are younger that are, oh, come on. Oh, am I going to go there? Have you ever worked for somebody younger than you and they're your boss? Oh, and you're just like, mm, you young punk. I know I have way more experience than you. I've been doing this much longer than you. Right? Like, and you do have something to offer, but God maybe has put that person in a position to lead you. It's not, if he's wise, he knows you have something to offer him to, but he's still in a position to lead you and you're called to serve him. Do you see how this works in the workplace? And some of you that are a little bit younger that have been in those positions, you know that this is the most awkward feeling to be in when the guys that you're called to lead are wiser than you. Right? They have experience in certain areas, but you have a certain wisdom, and you've been an appointed and anointed. Timothy, don't let people talk down on you or look down on you because of your age. 
There's a lot of Timothys in this house, and I don't want to get caught in that trap either, right? So I struggled with the wording, and I went way off my notes. But there's that Canadian version of whoever wants to be great must be a servant unto all. We like that one. I like that one. I can deliver that one. I have a hard time delivering this one. This is my first time delivering it, so I thank you for your grace, right? Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And it says your several times. And look it up in all the other scriptures, just so you know. Remember, we are modeling discipleship for those that have become fathers in the faith. Faith, understand, will always be serving others. But we must teach others that we are leading to do the same. Ephesians 6, 2-3, honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, so that it may go what? Well with you. That you may live long, a long life on earth. This principle doesn't just apply to our earthly fathers, but those in leadership over us. Trust in me, I know from experience. Even David honored Saul when Saul was wrong. Even after Saul tried to kill David, David said, I will not touch God's anointed. Later in 2 Samuel 1 to actually 14, when a man arrives at Saul's camp to pay honor to David by bringing the crown of Saul after assisting Saul in his death, even though Saul asked this man to help, Saul was dying, leaning on his sword, he called that man over and and asked him to finish the job. This man did what the king asked of him. But in verse 14, David asked him, why weren't you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Holy Spirit, that hit me hard. You might not be killing somebody physically, but if somebody is anointed and appointed by God, be careful how you speak to him or towards him or around him or gossip about him because life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can not be blessed if you are bringing God's men down. You can't. It doesn't matter if it's another pastor from another church. Be careful, I warn you. That is a man of God. And what does the Lord have to say about gossip anyway? It's one of the seven deadly sins. Gossip, man, man, I'm telling you, be careful. Be careful. Be like David. David was not perfect, but David knew honor. David knew honor, and that's why David was a man after God's own heart. Because he knew honor. Write that down. He was a man after God's own heart because he knew honor. He didn't always exercise in it, but he knew it. It was in his heart. Why were you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointing? So David had him put to death. And when I first read that, it made no sense to me. As a baby believer, now reading into that, the dude did everything he was supposed to do, did he not? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He was not in a position to raise his hand towards the anointing. Even though that's what Saul wanted, it wasn't the right thing. There was a lot of things that Saul wanted that weren't the will of God. And David makes a point, and we can just read right over this and think, David, you're nuts, man. Like, why? He brought him the crown of Saul. His, and again, check this out. His intent was right, but he wasn't right. How many times can you do the wrong thing, 
or do the right thing the wrong way. You can't. You can't do the right thing the wrong way. You can't. Well, we do when we try. There's only one way to do the right thing, and that's the right way. So your intent might be good, but then God's word gives you revelation today, and now we're all convicted, just so you know. <laughs> now we know the truth and that we are set free. That's my alarm. So I'm going to keep going, though. We must remember that we are all students, and we are all called to serve, and we are all called to honor one another. Truth is, we don't honor those always over us. And again, if those that we lead, or those that we, if we don't honor those, those that follow us won't honor us. Can you just scroll up a bit, Pastor Rudy, for my notes? Thank you. Right, I'm at the end already. No, uh, the other way, I guess. The truth is, if we don't honor, it's honor us. Awesome. Jesus' disciples were called his friends, but he, they weren't called his friends till the end. You know that? There's a discipleship process. He said, I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you a servant. That means he called them servants before. I no longer call you servants. John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because the servants does not know his master's business. There's going to be time when you're leading people. And is it wise to tell everybody your business and the, the business of the company and all the details and everything that's going around for the babies that you're spiritually discipling? No. Because you're, well, you want to shove meat into their mouths when they need milk right now. And there's, there's a level of trust. I'm going to tell you that I've had to learn too, and I'm still learning, is that you need to trust what God is doing with those leaders. And if you can't, you better start praying for them. Well, you should be praying for them anyway. But there's sometimes, there's going to be, in most times, there's going to be context that you're missing. And you're, you're judging from the outside, but there's wisdom. They're not bringing you in on every decision and everything that's going around behind the scenes because one, it might make this person look bad and it might distract you from what you're called to do right now. Does that make sense? And that's no different. With, so we're all students and we're all leaders. So we have to look at both sides. And we have to honor those that are in authority over us and there will always be somebody in authority over us. And then we need to teach those that are following us what it means to honor. More things are caught than taught. I can t teach till I'm blue in the face. But you only catch it unless you're around the presence of somebody that honors somebody well. And the more you get, I'm telling you, the more you get around somebody that honors somebody well, the more you will honor others. And if you can't find that right now, be that right now. Don't let that be your excuse, right? Okay. So that means that we are his servants, and just like a student is never above his teacher, Luke 6, 40 says, highlight this, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So you're fully trained. You can do everything the teacher can do, and he said you'll even do more because you have the Holy Spirit. They're not above Jesus. And no different does that earthly principle work on heaven as it is and we're in the job as well. You might know more. You might or think you know more. Be careful. <laughs> that's, that's the first one. As soon as you think, you probably don't. Because there's a reason why he's in his position and you're in yours. Is that true? I know. you're. Amen. If you can get amen, that's humility. 
That's humility. There's a reason. You don't see the bigger picture. You don't see the sacrifice. You don't see the behind the scenes. You don't see the conditioning. You don't see the loss. You don't see what he's continued to do through all of this and sacrifice and give up. All you see is a snapshot and you're trying to make a judgment call on the bigger picture when it comes to the kingdom. Just go to what God says. His word says the student is never above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the teacher. And that's awesome. If you follow John Maxwell, he's like always like, take people with you, take people with you, take people with you, build people up. Think of people, uh, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think of others highly, honor others, right? But that principle isn't just a one-way principle. You with me? So it's, it's about what we can give, not what we can get. So the process of discipleship is to first to learn to serve before we can even be served. And guess what? We never stop serving. It might look a little different. It's not like, oh, I graduate and everybody serves me. No, you get to serve more, brother. It might look different, but you get to serve. And some of the things that you're going to be serving and doing aren't going to look sexy because you and other people won't see what you're doing. It's behind the scenes. It's waking up at 345 every Sunday morning and getting in the word of God so I can have something to present to you. That's not sexy. I mean, you guys know it because I talk about it a lot, and I guess that's all the glory I'll get. But you know what? But there's things that you're doing behind the scenes that no one else is seeing. It's what done in private. Maybe it gets rewarded in public, maybe, but is that really the goal? No. My biggest reward is to one day stand before Jesus and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Woo! I can't wait! The race isn't over, and he's not finished yet. And despite my flaws and mistakes, i got to go back to his word, get up every day, and condition myself, and run the race, and beat my body into submission. It doesn't tell me what to do. I tell it what to do, right, Vince? I tell it what to do. The process of discipleship is first learn to serve before we can be served, but we never stop serving. Verse 34. Are you guys still doing good? Yeah, it's still resonating with you? Okay. Jesus had compassion on them, the blind man. He had compassion on them, touched their eyes immediately. Say immediately. They received sight and followed him. Wow, thank you, Jesus. That wasn't the story with everybody else. There were other people that were healed that didn't follow Jesus. These men immediately received the sight, and then they followed him. Point three, received the sight to follow. The men that couldn't see had to call out to God several times in the scripture, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Mercy comes before our might, our right, and even our fight. It's what gives us sight. Christ's compassion wasn't meant just to flow to us. His mercy was not meant to just flow to us, but to flow through us. Mercy comes before might. Our right, because it's what gives us sight. Christ's compassion, that's what it is. It's about Christ's compassion. Does that same compassion flow through you and to your coworkers and the people? You, I hope so. And I just say it does and believe it does. The Lord pressed upon my heart last week that there have been many of us struggling with anger. That's what I got last week. Sorry, I just kept going with, with the word that was spoken, but he's given me another opportunity. He won't, let, he won't let it leave me, yeah? He won't let it leave me. So this is the word I got, okay? That he pressed upon our, our, our that the, men, the men are dealing with anger. 
I don't know what that anger looks like, what somebody did, didn't do, or isn't happening, or you're angry at the government. I don't know, but we got anger. But what do we do with that anger? So it's, it's okay to have the feeling of anger, but what do we do, and when do we do it? That's also key. Success leaves clues. And the, what the Lord pressed upon my heart is the day that we hurt needs to be the day that we heal. The day of your hurt is the day of your healing. And you're going to be like, well, where do you get this? Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. Here it comes. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. The day of your hurt needs to be the day of your healing. Too many times we put off doing today what we think we can do tomorrow or what we're comfortable doing tomorrow or what we'd rather do tomorrow. However, that sets us back and those back that are following us and all around us. Set your kids back. Man, if you don't deal with you, you got to deal with in the workplace. Guess what? You're going to take it home. And you say, well, I'm not going to share it at home. Well, even if you don't share it, well, praise God, if you don't, you didn't drop all your crap, I'm going to say it, on your wife, and now you feel great. Oh, got that off my chest. I feel great. Guess who's carrying that crap for not just a week, not just two weeks? Women carry things differently than men. Yeah, you can go to a godly brother and make sure that you complain up. Be careful, because Matthew 18 says you need to go directly to the person don't go around the person. How are you just going to run it by Pastor Matt first? First thing you're going to hear from me, did you go talk to him first? So no, the principle works in the workplace too, right? So, however, that sets everyone else back. And then you carry that anxiety. Your wife knows. Don't think she doesn't know. Don't think your kids don't know when you're not dealing with your anger. The day you hurt is the day you heal. Say it with me. The day that I hurt... There you go. So this, is, this isn't just a godly principle. And this is a command. This, this command is so we don't let the sun go down while we're still angry. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It means forgiving those who wronged you. It means dealing with it or giving it to God. Okay? This also shows the maturity that we have as men, as individuals. Notice how it doesn't disregard age or level of leadership. It just says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Back to the scripture. It said immediately, just like we are to forgive immediately, we need to follow the process of healing immediately. And immediately they followed. Immediately, you, you, you heal, right? So that you can go ahead. Whew. You heal so that you can go ahead. How can you follow Jesus if you don't deal with the sin in your heart? I'm after you, Lord. Yeah, but would you, I, would you deal with that? No, no, I'm going to lay down everything but. But I just some of my burdens. But I'm going to carry this one and follow. Can't do that. Can't do that. That's like if I invite you on a trip and, and say, um, um, uh, Jason. Jason, my friend, Sebastian, our friend, Jason, the pilot, Jason, he invites you to go on a trip. Guess what? He called Pastor Charmaine and I and say, how much do you guys weigh? I said, well, that's a personal question. <laughs> Why? Because you got to balance the plane out. You can't get lift, okay? Unless, unless you're like, you, can't, you take baggage that you weren't meant, you can't get lifted. And if you don't lay your baggage down, we're not getting up in the air. If you don't lay your baggage down, guess what? And everybody else in that plane can lay their baggage down, and you lie about your baggage, and you say, well, you know, I'm actually thinking I'm 170 lately. I have been cutting things out, but you know you're 190. 
Trust me, that weight will make a difference. And guess what? Now you don't just get to, you don't get to be lifted up and move on. Everybody else in that plane doesn't, it stays on the ground with you. Just wait, Vince, I'm almost, almost done. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be, just wait, Coach Vince. Okay, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, verse 28. Our takeaway is this. My promotion is to raise others up. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. This is something for you to chew on, digest, get in the word, go deeper this week. But Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it sets us up and it helps us deal with everything that's setting us back. Lord Jesus, I thank you. This is going to be known as a house of honor. This is going to be known as a house of generosity. This is going to be known as a house of raising up and releasing leaders that are going to go all around the world. I thank you, Lord, for these mighty men that take it to the workplace, the kingdom builders, that you will bless them like never before. There's going to be so much blessing on their life that they cannot, and they were never meant to contain it. That, Lord, that they're going to go places they never thought they were going to go. They're going to do things that they never thought they could do. I thank you for the dedication of these men and all the men that are coming out yeah. this morning, the families, throughout the rest of the day and the rest of the week. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Good word. Yes. Thank you for tuning in today, and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.